Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, Devil Woman. Speaking of those Lakers, but I, but I hold on, hold on. But I didn't make my. I didn't make my. I said Denver's gonna win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rocky Hill Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Switch. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Drawing About the Giants Football Podcast. I'm Big Jay, joined by always by Joe Guire, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay. And week two of Giants preseason football has come and gone. Giants are down 0-2. Still, but no meaningful player really playing a snap. No Daniel Jones again. Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony all injured. Uh, I mean, what do you think of the game, Joe? I don't know. Another week, we talked about last week, no actual NFL players on the field. Seemed like that again. Uh, how concerning is this 0-2 start, though? No, the 0-2 start doesn't matter because they're not even trying. So uh, at least Mike Glennon played like half a game. That was cool. Um, I don't know what this. I don't know what this is. I, I mean, are they just having these like incredible practices and everything is so great that they're like, oh, we're just gonna roll in week one and uh, take care of business? Because I don't know how you guys feel, but as I said last week, the last time we saw this team, they were winning a game when their backup running back fell on top of a football with his butt. So it, it would seem to me that, that these guys, dude, if the defense wants to hang out and wait, nah, all right. They are in their way. But the offense, dude, Danny Dimes, uh, he, he, should be, he should be playing the first quarter of all of these games. 
plain and simple. You, you. I mean, I, I have very low expectations for week one. Very low expectations. I don't see how this offense against teams that have been out there playing their first team, I don't know how they're going to compete at all. Yeah, I mean, they, we, we talked about it a bunch last week. Danny Dimes is he's young. He's coming up on a contract year. He needs to get as much playing time and enough, as much time on the field so the front office and Coach Judge can be can really weigh out whether or not he's getting this next contract. But, Sean, how do you feel about the Giants' preseason thus far? Uh, I agree with Joe. I'm not really too concerned about the preseason records because, I mean, obviously most of the time it's your second and third string players playing. But I also agree with Joe that uh, it's kind of concerning for a team that, you know, is coming off a 6-10 and 10 season that we're not playing most of these starters in the games. You know, it makes sense for teams like the Bucks or the Chiefs or the Bills to not be playing all their starters because they know they have a successful team. They're bringing, up, bringing back pretty much the uh, same squad that they had from last year. But uh, for a team like the Giants, who, you know, has struggled to win games over the past three or four years, uh, I think that it's important to get these guys playing in preseason games, get all your starters out there, um, especially, you know, on on the offensive side of the ball. Because like Joe said, the defense, you know, was really what carried the team last year. The offense obviously struggled. So it'd be nice. Uh, all those new additions to be playing with Daniel Jones. I mean, they didn't even start the starting offensive line uh, last or the game against the Browns. It was their second string offensive line. Uh, most of the playmakers, uh, you know, were all second string guy like Devontae Booker, David Sills, Dante Pettis. So it would be nice to see on the offense side of the ball, uh, all these guys playing the preseason because we don't know what we're going to get. And like Joe said, in week one, uh, might be a rude awakening because we face uh, a Broncos defense that is has one of the best secondaries in football. They have Von Miller coming back, Bradley Chubb uh, as the edge rusher. So it's definitely going to be a test for this Giants offense week one. Uh, and it would be nice to see these guys get, uh, you know, even a quarter of action, uh, maybe even to the second quarter. It would, it would be nice because I want to see what this offense looks like. And unfortunately, we're probably not going to get that until uh, this coming game against uh, New England. Jay, you got anything more to add to the Giants? Right now, well, thanks to the great people of the UBS Arena down the block, I don't know what I missed, but um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think what they pretty much covered is that the Giants let us down again with getting us a chance to see what the team is going to look like beforehand before the season begins. I'm hoping Daniel Jones is playing lights out in practice and the offensive line is doing just as well because, like Sean said, they'll get maybe a quarter to tune up before they start a real game. In two weeks, so like I said, I hope it works out well. I mentioned before the season began, a lot of teams were going to have issues in the beginning with this new preseason only having three games and not getting, a, you know, normally the third game would be the dress rehearsal where the starters would play about three quarters, but without, you know, that fourth game in there, you have to really look at your other roster and see which guys you're keeping because your cutdowns are coming now even way faster. So I hope they figure out in the long run how to, you know, navigate the preseason better, give the offense, you know, give the starters a chance to get their feet wet before the season actually begins. You know, more than just, like I said, one quarter against the Patriots, which we've seen the Giants offense last year. They need more work than one quarter against the Patriots. But maybe Joe Judge, excuse me, maybe Joe Judge knows something I don't know. So I don't know. I'm a fan. So I, Zay, I, I'm Zay, a fan I you know, I, I, I listen, I mean, because here's my thought. I mean, as a fan, I don't need to. I don't need to see it. If you tell me it's all good, great. I mean, I want them to play because I think they need it. I'm I'm pretty certain they do. If the Giants get off to a three and zero start, 
I'll stand corrected, but again, look at week one opponent, Denver. I mean, you've got uh, literally their two starters, uh, the two quarterbacks battling it out for a starting role. Uh, They couldn't be any more in on training camp. And and you were just talking about Teddy Bridgewater possibly lighting up the Giants in week one somewhat facetiously. But again, this team's going to have had barely any time on the field. Meanwhile, Teddy Bridgewater's been fighting for his life. Yeah, I do. I, I am going to hold out hope because Joe Judge is from that Belichick, Belichick and like Saban coaching tree. That what that week one everything's going to be prepared, and he isn't really taken too lightly preseason. But I, I, I don't know. I, I that that's all I can hope for. Do I expect that to happen? No. I, I really just want to see these. Guys, get on the football field. And if see Jared Stidham was starting all the games in New England right now and handing the ball off to his fourth string running backs with the third string lineman in front of him, then I'd be like, oh, Bill's doing it. All right. But no, again, Mac Jones has been lighting it up. We're like, we're like getting this kid a jacket for Canton. <laughs> from from the games we've been watching. <laughs> Meanwhile, Danny Dimes, I, I saw him throw a pick six in practice. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I haven't seen that's anything. Only- so again, we can hold out hope. I don't know. I don't know if Joe Judge is, is like, like, like out. Like, I think he's pulling a Bill Parcells here, where he's <laughs> like out thinking himself, and it's like you're. Gonna lose that, bud. Again, you gotta understand this situation. Like I said before, with the lack of preseason games and your cutdowns coming faster, you really gotta evaluate the whole entire roster. You don't want to miss out on guys and you know who might have not made the roster. You know, had they not had an extra game, you don't want to miss out on those guys who could be that you know that gem, that diamond in the rough. So they have to you know evaluate these third and second stringers to make sure. You know, we if we have something, we have something. If we don't, we don't. But you have to make sure. It, it, it's not like before. You don't have the extra game. You don't have the fourth game where the third and fourth stringers are going to play all, you know, basically the whole entire game. You don't have that no more. I, they have to figure out how to manage the um, offseason better, navigate it better. If you, you know what I mean? Because next year, they're possibly talking about adding another game, which would cut down another preseason game. So you're talking about two preseason games. Now you got to figure it out in two preseason games. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Zay, uh, you make a good point. I mean, this is brand new. Uh, Giants are obviously going about this completely different than any other team, how they're playing, using their offseason. So hopefully that will benefit them for the long run. And I know that this is a little bit off the topic, but the same people who are going to bash the Giants O-line are the same people that automatically year after year pick the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys O-line is just as bad. They lead the NFC East in sacks this preseason. understand it's preseason, but they have a lot of retirees, and a lot of those young guys are going to be playing them. They lead the the NFC East in sacks in three games, but one of those games they had zero sacks. So their O-line is just as bad as the Giants. So if you're looking at the Cowboys to be the instant lock for the NFC East, I don't get why not show the Giants love because they have. Well, then it, then it's going to be Washington that'll 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 take the the division. It's going to be somebody again. Dude, there's what what could you possibly be, be optimistic about? What is it that that you could? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason to think like, well, God, the Giants have such an easy schedule. 
Um, they don't. Saquon's health. Well, that's what I'm saying, Zay. There's no reason to be optimistic. You haven't seen any of the starters. Heard, haven't heard anything good coming out of training camp. You've got one less preseason game. Brian Lewerke looked great. That'll be good for our scout team. The big work dog. Kyle Rudolph came back today. I think he's getting his first bit of any action today. So yeah, that should pan out great. If, if Evan Ingram looks like crap in the beginning, that should pan out great. You know, Kyle Rudolph will probably, I don't know how much of the playbook he knows. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in practice, but it's one thing to be in practice when you're on the field and the plays are going, you know, there's a lot that goes on. I hope he's ready. He hasn't it's not played for nothing, but yeah. Evan Ingram plays great until it's important, like week five, week eight, week ten. Yeah, they always they always start. report out of training camp that Evan Ingram is always looks like the best player out there, and then it, it kind of falls apart during the regular season. <laughs> the last two minutes in the fourth, he, he gets nervous in the last two minutes of the fourth. That's what it is. Drops it, wide open. I don't even think it's he, he just senses when it's a meaningful play to be had, and he just. No, no, raises up. I think like, it isn't even like, look, even like it, it could be the last play of the half. It, he still will drop the pass because it's meaningful. So I, I, I don't know, but yeah, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph's back. Joe, we were touching on it a little bit before you were talking about your boy Mac Jones. Giants have the New England Patriots in their preseason finale on Sunday. Will we see Daniel Jones against Mac? against Mac Jones, the Battle of the Joneses at MetLife, Joe? We're going to keep up with the Joneses on Sunday night. Um, yeah, Mac Jones, listen, I mean, if you're Mac Jones, you got to be thinking, I hope the Giants are going to run the scrubs out there again. I'd love to light it up one more time and take this job right out of Cam's COVID-plagued hands. Um <laughs> so he he's got great opportunity here to win that job and the Giants are going to be I would say unprepared at best so should work out for Mac. Well, I mean, defensively the Giants have still looked pretty good. Rodarius Williams and Carter Coughlin have been killing it. So uh I do think this Giants defense is going to be uh, I'm excited to see how Mac Jones can uh t- take on this uh this Giants defense and uh What's his name? The, the Patrick Graham defense, uh, his scheme wise. So I'm I'm intrigued by that. But Sean, what do you look forward to in this game? Uh, yeah, I want to see the defensive starters because uh, obviously Mac Jones has been lighting it up. But and we've seen some uh, some glimpses and uh, some some shines out of guys like you mentioned Carter Coughlin, Rodarius Williams, uh, O'Shane Zeminis looked really good coming back from injury last game. Uh, he was getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He had a sack and three QB hits. I'm pretty sure. So and but I mean other than that, I mean the only other guys that will get meaningful time on the defense have been playing are like B.J. Hill, Xavier McKinney actually played against the Browns, and then Darnay Holmes. So even if we get to see you know some of the maybe James Bradbury for or Blake Martinez, Leonard Williams just for a quarter, I want to see that because. I want to see some pressure on uh, Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Uh, obviously, Patrick Graham is, like you said, JC, he's great at devising a defense no matter what talent he has. Uh, he can work around certain strengths and weaknesses. But uh, I, I do want to see the guys out there uh, to give a test to Mac Jones. And then uh, other than that, it'd be nice to see some of our offensive players uh, play. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they're just – if Joe Judge has any plan to do that, but it, it would be, I think it would be cool to see some of our players that we're we, uh, hopefully seeing week one. So it's really just for me uh, 
saying the starters, seeing the starters out there. I know we've been saying it a lot over the past couple of shows, but I mean, I like, I, I hope Joe Judge's philosophy is like Zay said that he wants to find out which second string and third string guys are going to be, you know, at the end of the roster. And that's why he really wants to play them a lot. I hope that's the way he's playing it. But other than that, I don't think there's really uh, any reasoning for, for what he's doing right now. Sean, that's, um, that's baloney and you know it. I mean, listen, it's nice to find out who your third and fourth stringers are. There's a reason that the starters aren't playing, though. Yeah, but don't don't you want to know who your starters are? Are I I mean, I would be be more concerned about that. Not not really. It's not like this team is just some depth away from being a contender. But they are, though. They're technically a quarterback away from being a contender. This team could is a, in my eyes they're a quarterback away from being a contender. They have a great solid, they have a good defense. They got good weapons on offense. If you can get the running game going and some some part of like an offensive line, something you know that team could be a contender. I, you have a great you have a good running back. Saquon Barkley comes back healthy. He could be a huge playmaker. You have playmakers on the outside. You just need that offensive line to function and that quarterback to figure it out. Because that defense is solid. We've seen their top ten defense all day. And you added pieces last year. It's not like you got weaker. You added, uh, what's his name, uh, Dory. Uh, um, players we haven't even seen play yet on this on the, in the preseason. You have added I players. Anybody play? <laughs> you get healthy. You get. I think O'Shane Zimmons look good so far. I think um, well, the other side, Lorenzo Carter, they're looking good. And you're getting these players back on a defense that was top last year with no edge rushers. Lost a lot of linebackers throughout the season. I think they're just a quarterback away from figuring it out. I honestly do. An offensive line, obviously. Offense, being yeah, that, but that being line, said, yeah. but we have seen teams with weak offensive lines and a good quarterback figure it out. We've seen the Seattles and the Green Bays when the Green Bays offensive line was junk and Aaron Rodgers was running around making everything look pretty. But we've seen it. So I think it, it's just a quarterback situation, maybe a line, a line or two, a line or two. I definitely do think it is a line situation. I mean, I still have hope for Daniel Jones. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really need to see. I, I want to see what these new guys look like. I want to see the, what Kadarius Tony can do. Uh, I, I want to see at least Kenny Galladay dress up. I want to see what he looks like in those pads with mm-hmm. that jersey on. Same with the Dory Jackson. I, I just want to see them in uniform for a game before week one. I, I just want to see that happen. And same for Daniel Jones. I mean, not even the new guys, the old guys, the guys returning, the guys who are going to be playing meaningful who, who we know, I, I still want to see them in pads showing up on the field for if it is one play, just one play. That's all I want. That's if all the I want. To win the Super Bowl this year, nobody will ever play their starters in the preseason again. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> Not at least until the last, right last preseason game. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let's take a step from the Giants. Joe, you talked about it a little bit. Sean. Cam Newton's got this COVID. Uh, he's out for COVID protocol. There was already a, a competition, but is this going to put Mac Jones ahead with uh, Cam missing time? Is he going to get? It this could. I mean, it's he, he's going to be out for five days, so I mean, he might miss this game Sunday. But I, I still think week one at least that Cam Newton's going to be the starter. Um, I think that you know he had a great start last year before he got COVID. Um, he's, he's also, I mean, Mac Jones has been lining up, but Cam Newton has also looked pretty good in the preseason as well. 
So, uh, and he's been going against more first team defenses. Mac Jones has playing, been playing more in the second half. Not that Mac Jones hasn't been really good. I think that he will light up first team defenses too, but Cam Newton has been doing it against better competition. So I think Mac Jones gets the job at some point this year. I just think that Cam Newton, he obviously still has the mobility in the pocket and uh, able to run around, scramble, make plays, but his arm strength just hasn't been there. And the accuracy on top of there hasn't been there uh, for the last couple of years, ever, ever since he hurt that shoulder in Carolina. So I think that he's going to get the starting job week, uh, week one, but I think that Mac Jones, uh, eventually by midseason, maybe even a little bit sooner, that Mac Jones is going to be the starter for the Patriots and try and turn it around if they're losing at that point. But uh, I think Cam's going to be the starter week one. Jay, how you feeling about the Mac attack? I agree with Sean. I think it's going to be uh, Cam. You got to remember what we're talking about here. Bill Belichick, this guy is – he's not one for throwing rookies into the fire. We know a long time we thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be the heir to Tom Brady, and that just never manifested the way it did. And he loved Jimmy Garoppolo. He says it many times that he liked him as a player and he would love to have him back, but never worked out. So I could see Mac Jones sitting as long as Cam's playing well. He looked good against the Eagles. If he can continue to play decently – he will sit as long as he can because that's just how Bill Belichick works. He doesn't want to, he's not going to rush the situation. He's never been that type of coach. And I don't think he's about to change just because the league is, you know, going in different directions with, you know, offenses and whatnot. He's not changing. He'll be the same. And Mac Jones will play when it's time for him to play. I, I agree with that. I, I do know this whole little COVID uh, interaction with Cam has put a lot more people on the Mac train. But, uh, no, I, I think it is going to be Cam Newton. I do think what would probably be best for the Patriots is throw Mac Jones out there right off the rip, get the offense going and settled and get him into a rhythm with Mac Jones because Mac Jones and Cam Newton, both very different r- quarterbacks. Cam, we, before he got COVID last year, he was leading the Patriots in rushing. Mac Jones isn't going to do that. So I, I think if you want to – Well, how that work out? Up, no, Joe, he's got to be really. He was playing at an MVP level before he got COVID, Joe. But, he was but how, what was their record with with the MVP numbers? I'm just curious. I don't remember. Was it good? Because it wasn't. No, it because was, they started. I off think they were poor. like two and one. He was. He, he started off poor. He had to start winning games again to get them back. He, he started off poor. Remember that? Yeah. But don't like. Come on. This, last year was a whole different ball game. You already know we want to have a season. I think has, has already to, lost the starting job. No. You can't and do that. I think Mac Jones will start in week one. And and I, as I heard, I was talking to some uh, Boston media people today. Um, there are people who think that they should waive Cam Newton now for his complete lack of leadership, for the fact that he uh, isn't falling in line with the troops and getting a vaccine, that maybe it's time to just – and, and no, start, you can't, start the you Mac Jones era right out of the jump. He would be, you know, you look at guys like Peyton Manning, who, who did it, started from day one. Um, I, I, there would be no detriment to Mac Jones's development, I think, to start week one. He's shown that that accuracy we saw in college um, translates very well to the NFL. And they've got some good running backs on that team. They can actually run the kind of offense that Bill Belichick likes. Yeah, no. th- th- that's where I was getting to I'm my not point. wrong. That's why I think Mac Jones, if he were to start week one, would be more beneficial for the Patriots down the long run, get him more into the offense. Because well, while he was playing it, while last season, uh, 
Cam Newton was playing at an MVP level. He was still two and three in those first games before COVID. So, I mean, Mac Jones does everything Brady can do, just not as good as Brady. Bill Belichick can help him get to that level. But, I I mean, making the throws, putting everything, analyzing it, being a field, field general, that's just Patriots football. Being Cam Newton, being able to run it, being able to extend plays, it's cool. It, it did good. It didn't. Re- he did good at it last year. It didn't result in wins, but he he still. I, I mean, it, it, it's just not Patriots football. Mac Jones is playing second and third stringers. Cam Newton had to come out here do something when half the team opted out for COVID last year. Did we forget about that? They had to yes. fill in. The, they had to pick up players off the streets of Boston to come play with Cam Newton so he could put together something for that team. And they still almost manifested something at the end. So don't throw Cam Newton in the dirt like that. He's no. Yeah. Mac Jones yeah, starts I, week I one. I agree. Cam had no receivers at all. Mac, Mac Jones starts week one. He will be just like every other rookie quarterback. He will look terrible. He's playing up against second and third string defenses that aren't even getting the real playbook out there. They're not using the real plays they're going to use for the starters in a real game. It's preseason. They wouldn't do that. That's y'all are crazy talking. And, and the whole COVID situation, no, you can't single out Cam Newton. Until we know who is and isn't vaccinated, which is none of our business for the first part, well, we cannot is. single out anybody. It's our, it's our business no. who's vaccinated. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It our is. It's not our business. It's not. Oh, 100% it's just, it is. It's yeah. not. It, it, it's We're not. living in a pandemic. It's 100%. Absolutely. Every person I come it, across, if you're not our business not, at all. every right to know. No. no every right to know. Right no, no, my own medical, medical safety, I do. No. Yeah. No, you don't. I do. No, you don't. Watch me. No, you don't. Everybody I meet, I ask them. No. If Cam Newton isn't vaccinated and the Patriots have to. You know how many players are vaccinated? But then that's a problem. Right yes, now, most teams are at 85%. So BS. it's just a handful BS. of morons. I call BS. And what does 85% matter when you got a whole Yankees team that's vaccinated and they're out every other week with COVID? So what does it matter? Explain that one to me. You got, yep. Yeah, yeah, the, oh, the whole team is practically vaccinated and they're almost out every other week with COVID. You're missing players. So I explain would, that. I would, well, since, since uh, if you look at the stats, a 99% of people infected with COVID are the jackasses who haven't gotten the shot. Okay. That's who it is. Okay. Aaron Judge didn't get a vaccine. Okay. Aaron Judge got COVID. Okay. Aaron Judge is a horse's ass. Okay. Okay. So if I go through that list, so every player on that team, maybe uh, every player that's vaccinated didn't get COVID this year. That's what you're telling me. I'll go through that list. Every player that was vaccinated didn't get COVID. That's what you're telling me. 100. percent Oh, I don't. I don't. Wouldn't know the whole list. Do you know the whole list? No, I don't. That's again, it's none of our business. But that's what I'm saying. You can't single out yeah, one but, player. But you can't single out one you, player when there's an you issue say going it's not on. People's business. You, uh, if if there's a if there's a room full uh, uh, of people who are it. vaccinated because they take this thing seriously, and there's two jackasses who don't. You don't think we have the right to be like, are you a moron? You didn't get vaccinated? No, you know, ask, uh, stay the fuck away from me. I'm not gonna have the conversation here. This is this is John about the G man. This is not who's been vaccinated, who hasn't. So. I'll continue but it is, and it is, and there's I, a reason I, I, Cab Newton's not not going to be there this week. I'll continue about the football. Idiot. You can't single out him 
when you don't even have an entire league that's Matt that, Jones you don't is playing a, this week in Cam Newton. I can single him out. I, I can. don't think the entire league is probably 40% or 30% vaccinated because there's a lot of players who aren't. You have players who are coming out and saying they are. Bro, so, they report on the numbers every single okay. day. There's so, teams so that are at okay. 100%. So try Listen, again. Okay. Out of here with that. Listen, I'm sure it's to not. To be honest, I, I don't care I, if a player's vaccinated Zay, don't, or not. Zay, unless you have just, some as evidence long as they're on of any way, shape, I'm, or Like I said, I'm not, not having a COVID stuff. conversation here. This is about football. I'm, I'm keeping moving. This isn't a COVID conversation, uh, but keep, you're also I, suggesting some really stupid stuff right I'm, here. I'm sure because, like I said, I'll go off the show and I'll pull up what I got to do. Like I said, you said none of those players were vaccinated on the team got COVID. So I'm going to go look, and if any of those most of the guys who got caught, okay. who got COVID, are guys who were not vaccinated. Okay, That's most of the guys. Is that all of the guys? Is that all the guys? No, that you said most of the guys. You can still get them. COVID, Zay. Oh. Yes, you okay. can still so get then, COVID because it's like it really contagious. Again, I'm I, I'm not I'm not doing this. Not about football. I'm uh, we're John it is about me. football okay. because Cam Newton's not playing because of COVID. Okay. Listen, how hard is that? I'm just saying, I'm saying I'm moving forward from my opinion on that and getting back to the football aspect of it. I'm moving on from that. That's what I'm saying. The the problem is, is we're talking about who's going to start for the Patriots. One guy's going to play this week and the other guy's not. All right. Okay. So to suggest that this has nothing to do with COVID, and you're wrong. Again, do we understand there, why he's not? A, do we understand this whole issue behind the Cam Newton doing again this again, season? Do we understand again. the whole issue behind the Cam Newton thing? Was he out clubbing in court, or was it was a mess up on the NFL's issue on getting his testing done properly? So let's not get into this. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole. I don't know. That seems but, like a Cam Newton thing to do. Somehow get the testing wrong. Oh, my God. He's a moron. He always no, has to know. No, no, one of the, one of the right. stupidest people Listen, in the NFL they, they is Cam the Newton. Right. They got they the got testing right because they were able to pull him before the game and it got infected and they had to forfeit the game. So if he doesn't get a shot and the game has to get forfeited next season, then, then that's a real issue. But if he just doesn't want to get it – and he's able to withdraw himself from the team under instances like that, I don't see why he can't. But regardless, we're starting meaningful football in two weeks with the NFL. But this weekend, meaningful football starts at the college ranks. But first, let's hear a little promo from CMG's College Football Podcast. The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. All right, all four downs. Make sure you check out that tomorrow as we will pick week one games for the week zero games for the college football season because college football starts next week. I'm excited. But we're going to mix a little college football in G-Men with a college football Mount Rushmore. What four faces would you put on top of the college football Mount Rushmore, Joe? Starting with you. I would say number one, Barry Sanders. Number two, Adrian Peterson. Number three, 
I'm going to go with Deion Sanders. And number four, Brian Urlacher. Ooh. Damn. All right. All right. I not, not a lot of college team success there. But I mean, hey. Oh, were you looking for players or teams? No, no, no. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Good night. Thanks for showing up, everybody. uh, Mount Rushmore uh, isn't about the presidents. It's about the four dudes. It's not about their parties. How many winners do you have on there, though? That's. Oh, uh, I mean, if you're worried about stats, I'm worried about being a legend, a living legend like Deion Sanders was, redefined. What what being a cornerback meant? Prime time, never seen anything like it. One of the greatest college defensive players of all time. No, I, I get it. I like it. No, I'm maybe I'm wrong it. though. I don't know. I, no, I like it, Sean. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, spit right, that so. off the top of my head. I forgot to actually make my list. So yeah, for my Mount Rushmore, uh, I did like a personal list of the guys that I like to watch the most, and you know most of them would. <laughs> Be in Please consideration. Don't say <laughs> Most of them would be in consideration for an actual Mount Rushmore. Maybe not the last one, but uh, the first one was uh, my favorite college football player of all time, the legend uh, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. Uh, I think that he was he was the most exciting player to watch uh, in college at the time, uh, especially that upset against Alabama. Uh, he obviously after college football didn't have much of a great career in the NFL, but when he was uh, at Texas A&M, he was an absolute legend. There's no denying that. Uh, he was just uh, amazing to watch. Just some of the scramble plays that he made, uh, some of the throws downfield. You know, the guys like Mike Evans uh, were absolutely incredible. So he'd be number one on my list. Number two would be my second favorite was uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think that his career at Louisville was absolutely tremendous. Uh, he started off the season with a game, seven touchdowns against Syracuse. He finished it off with that crazy hurdle uh, over that DB to make it an end zone. And then the next week he follows it up by going uh, – I think it was on the road against Florida State, and they were Florida State was ranked number two at the time, and they go up and they beat the crap out of them. I'm pretty sure it was like 55 to 10 or something, and he had a legendary season that year, uh, bringing in a Heisman, and he's my favorite non-Giants player in the NFL right now. It's because of what he did in college. So Lamar Jackson would be two. Number three would be Reggie Bush. Um, he would actually probably be on the actual Mount Rushmore. Uh, I was really young when uh, when he was in college, but that's one of the first memories I have of watching college football was watching Reggie Bush. Uh, for USC, some of the legendary teams that they had with Matt Liner and him, and obviously the 2006 Rose Bowl uh, game against Texas might be the best college football game of all time, but uh, he's really my where my love for college football started. And number four would be uh, current giant uh, Jabril Peppers, just because of everything he did at Michigan. Uh, you know, he was a receiver, he was a safety, he was a punt and kick returner, or punt and kick returner. His versatility was absolutely unmatched, uh, maybe one of the best just overall athletes that have ever come through college football. And uh, he wore number five, and that's why I wore number five when I played uh, my senior year of high school football because I love Jabril Peppers. And luckily, now he's a giant. So uh, those would probably be my four favorite college football players of all time, and they'd be on uh, my Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. All right. Zay? I stuck to just players I watched because I could have went all day with Mount Rushmore's and players you're talking about. So the players I went off what I watched, I had Peyton Manning up there. Obviously, Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Watched him in Tennessee. You know, he doesn't mean as much to me as his brother does. But again, Peyton Manning is a great uh, quarterback to have on your list. Uh, at 
Second person I had up there was Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush was another great player. Obviously, I grew up 2000. He was there 2004, 2005, somewhere around there between that area. I was in middle school, and that's what everyone wanted to do. The juke button was everything, and they put it in the video games basically because of Reggie Bush. He was literally like the human highlight machine, so I had to throw them up in there. Then I had Vince Young. Now, Vince Young is sketchy, but college, he was great. I don't know about his NFL career, but college, he was one of the, one of my favorite players to watch college. I loved watching that Rose Bowl, even though his knee was down on that pass. I loved it still. I was rooting for Texas all the way. I'm happy it ended the way it did. And my final person I have is obviously my favorite college football player all the time. That's Charles Woodson. I play corner and football and safety. That's because of him, <laughs> him and Dion. But mostly because of him, I didn't get to watch much of Dion being as young as I am. But I did get to watch Charles Woodson throughout his whole career. It was one of the best careers I've seen of a football player. And he's in, he's in the Hall of Fame. So what can you say? You know, he's he's great. So that's my four. Hell yeah. I like it. I'm going to start off with a more recent one. Joe Burrow, that that LSU season was ridiculous, and the whole team was insane. But with Joe Burrow's story, growing up being an Ohio kid, going to Ohio State, saying, nah, you ain't starting here, getting kicked out, going to LSU and putting a cherry on the top by going undefeated and winning the national championship, that's just amazing. So that's why I'm going to go Joe Burrow in there. And I want to put Charles Woodson, but since you didn't say, I'm going to pick the second defensive player that should have won the Heisman, Nadama Kinsu. The man was a monster at Nebraska. He was just eating people, destroying people. Mark Ingram had no business winning that Heisman. That was Nadama Kinsu's Heisman. But he was just a monster, a monster. And... It's really, really hard for me. I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey here at number three. Return. He would get return touchdowns. He'd get receiving touchdowns. He he passed for a couple touchdowns at Stanford. He rushed for a bunch of touchdowns. This man did it all at Stanford. The only other person who was like that was Terrell Pryor in, like, his one year at Ohio State. But, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was just a beast. And there's so many ways I could have gone here with this fourth one. But he never won a Heisman, but Peyton Manning, man, just what he did at Tennessee, just how he was, how he carried himself. Just He was just Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's just a different person, and he brought that even at his days at Tennessee. He was just ahead of everyone else. Doug Flutie, Brian Boz, uh, Herschel Walker. None of us said we're Herschel Walker. That's that's a big, big Rod Did you see Herschel Walker play? Because I didn't. I wasn't around for that. <laughs> I couldn't well, tell you how exciting that Oh, also, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. He wouldn't just dominate college football. Do you not know he who Raghib Ishmael is, Sean? I've never heard of that in my life. You don't know the Rocket? Oh, my God. Bro, he ran a 4 He's one of the greatest receivers, kick returners uh, ever. When when did he play? We're born after 1990, Joe. I'm sorry, I I forget. I forget I that you guys are. Yeah, um, it's a long time. Uh, <laughs> what when did he play? Where did he play too? 
Uh, so he he spent some time in the uh, in in the Canadian Football League, but he played for the Raiders. He played for the Panthers. He played for the Cowboys. Uh, he was uh, Heisman Trophy runner up in 1990. Oh, he uh, went to um, uh, Notre Dame. Oh, Zay, you got to know that. You don't know Rocket Bishmel? <laughs> yeah, Rocket? you're gonna be the, the you're gonna be Bro, Notre Dame. You got to understand. Man. Can't All American it, yeah. Walter Camp Award winner, high runner up, nineteen ninety. You can only know so much. You remember so far back. I ain't, come on, <laughs> no, come no. on. I'm, I'm, come on, people. <laughs> We're just messing with you. But uh, you guys, any got any honorable mentions? Like I said, Jim Brown was a beast. He didn't just wasn't a beast for Syracuse football. He, he led them in rebounding. Was a beast on the lacrosse field as well for Syracuse. Oh, honorable but mentions. He's obviously known for yeah. how much of a beast yeah. he was. Yeah, McCaffrey was a uh, probably would be my fifth one too, right there. But uh, yeah, you took, I'm surprised you didn't take any Utes. Megatron could yeah. be up there. What he did at Georgia Tech was really good. Um, Archie Griffin, Tony Dorsett. Trying to think, if you want to go really, really old school, which you probably yeah. don't. Uh, honestly, uh, Sean, Mike, you said uh, Johnny Vick. Manziel. Oh, Michael, yeah, Michael Vick. How could I leave him off? Tommy Frazier no. won't mean anything to anybody, but when Nebraska was good in the 80s, they had a black quarterback named Tommy Frazier who was uh, rented the, the triple option. Um, I want to say maybe two tailbacks and Frazier all rushed for 1,000 yards. It was a thing of beauty with those big Husker uh, linemen. Oh, here's some other yeah. good ones. Desmond Howard, Michael Irvin, Major Harris. So yeah. even going all day. That's why I only stuck to people I've seen. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. Me too. But Dude, Rashawn Sh- Salam at Colorado, boy, it wasn't many better than him uh, in the mid-90s. Jadavian Kajana Carter at South Carolina was a beast. Sean, you, you mentioned Johnny Menzel. Mike Evans, I feel like, is criminally underrated. Even at Texas A&M, Johnny football was out there so- – hogging the spotlight but mike evans was the guy there he was a yeah. beast and even like even with the bucks everyone was like Jameis. this he, yeah. he was mike evans still being a beast even this year yeah when he wasn't injured he was still being a beast and everyone's like tom brady godwin all these other guys yeah it's just i so agree I, I think he's the most underrated uh receiver in the league he's i think he's the only receiver to start uh, his first eight years in a career with a thousand yards every season i mean he's he's just so consistent he does every year he doesn't miss a lot of games so i, I agree mike evans is definitely super underrated and another one that I, uh honorable mention i would say Devonte smith but I think it's a little too soon, but the the season he had last year. Was, I thought about him to be quite honest. He, yeah, that I I don't hate that, Sean. The season he had last year was probably the best season by any receiver in college football history. So he he definitely deserves some love, and he was a lot of fun to watch. Too bad he's on the them damn Eagles nowadays. Uh, I thought about Chase Young for a second, but then I realized you had the Boses right before him doing just as well, so it wasn't really that impactful. But yeah, but that oh, is. Was the quarterback what? from Hawaii? I just thought about it. it just hit me. Um, oh, just, he, uh, just, he he died. Just passed away yeah, not too long ago. He yeah. had a great career in Hawaii. Cole Brennan, yeah, yeah, yeah Cole Brennan, yeah. And uh, Tommy Chang, right? That was the other guy. Hawaii has a bunch of like just beastly quarterbacks who just threw for an obscene amount of yards. Because Warren Sapp, another guy, came into Miami to play tight end, then took a. Uh, the rock spot at DT. That, that's that's a crazy sentence to utter. The rock only had that spot on his show. 
Only on his show did he have that spot. He never had that spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but regardless, came in to play tight end, then moved to DN. But uh, that's going to do it for our show. Boy, that was fun. Talking college football is fun, even when I – mean, so tune in next week. I mean, next tomorrow for all four downs. Make sure you enjoy the college football games this weekend. Make sure you enjoy the preseason. And let's hopefully see Danny Dimes out there on Sunday against the Patriots. That's going to do it for John about the G-Men. Make sure you check out clovercrestmedia.com for more information and more podcasts. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and check out Clovercrest Media Group on Twitch. For Big Jace, Joe Aguirre, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay, this has been John about the G-Men. We'll see you next week to talk more Giants football. Take Thanks. care. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which...